Welcome to Solutions Cast, a CFC podcast that highlights cooperative network projects and leader stories, as well as economic and energy industry insights. I'm your host, Christine Pachenik, and joining me today are two CFC experts, John Suter, Vice President of Economic Research, and Jan Allen, Vice President of Utility Research and Policy. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, as 2022 comes to a close, we look forward to the new year, and I want to see what's in store for 2023. Let's take a look at the insights that you both might be able to provide us. I really want to dive into the challenges that lie ahead for the U.S. economy in 2023 and how they might impact the electric utility industry. John, can you tell me what economic sectors co-op execs should be focused on? Just a a real quick list for us. I think the three things that come to mind first off would be the supply chain issues that we continue to struggle with here in the world and along with the United States for a variety of different reasons. The second thing is the labor market could be the deciding factor next year in 2023, whether we fall in recession or not. It remains very tight and looks to continue to be so for the time being. And the last thing, obviously, is the rising interest rates with the Federal Reserve still not done, increasing the overnight federal funds rate. All right. And now let's take a little bit of a deeper look at supply chain disruption. So that's something that we've talked about quite a bit in 2022. What is that going to look like for us in 2023? Well, that's a hard question to answer at times because it depends on what kind of product you're talking about. But the the general consensus is there's really like five overlying themes that continue to plague the supply chain uh, no matter where you are in the world. Number one thing is with high inflation, people's budgets have been crimped. And so their demand for goods or services is very hard to Uh, forecast by companies. So companies really don't know how much inventory that they're going to need on hand, especially like, for example, with the upcoming Christmas season. You have a lot of labor unrest these days because there's plenty of job openings. So laborers are moving to and from different industries, and that's causing kinks and uh, downtimes for manufacturing. Uh, Geopolitical tensions continue to be an issue with Russia continuing to pound the Ukraine in terms of war and impacting the supply chain issues there. And last but not least, I would say uh, the extreme weather events have had a big impact on a lot of, uh, especially like, for example, agriculture on the delivery of some of the goods that we're used to getting. So I'm not saying there'll be a shortage of products, but obviously there may be a longer time lane for in order to receive them. And Jan, can you tie that into some of the industry trends that you might be seeing for 2023? Absolutely. Within the electric utility industry, the industry is not immune to the same forces that John just laid out. We're seeing longer lead times continue for traditional uh, electrical equipment like switchgear, transformers, uh, and other products. There's just so much demand for electrical equipment now as uh, electric cooperatives, other utilities are replacing aging infrastructure, beefing up existing infrastructure for resilience purposes, and getting ready for all the new consumer technologies like electric vehicles. So there's really just a lot of demand for products and pretty tight supply chains, and we see that going forward into the future. Another area that we're seeing uh, a, a decent amount of uh, impact on is the renewable energy industry. Uh, solar PV modules continue to be difficult to obtain, and prices have gone up uh, pretty significantly over the past year. We foresee prices to continue being elevated into 2023, 
And as electric co-ops, uh, other utilities continue to drive demand for renewables, battery storage, that's only going to keep the supply chain issues ongoing. And how do you feel consumer attitudes are towards some of uh, what you just spoke about? I mean, you're talking EVs. Yeah, it's it's interesting. If you look at the electric vehicle um, in, industry, we're really seeing a bit of an S-curve type adoption for electric vehicles. And what I mean by that is, is the first few years of a new technology like electric vehicles, you don't see a ton of new adoption, but at a certain point, there's a tipping point, and then you see rapid increases in adoption. And we're, we have started to see that with the EV industry. Only about two years ago, about 2% of new car sales were electric vehicles. Last year, that went up to about 4%. This year, likely to be up in about 7% or so of all new car sales being electric. And we only forecast that to go up and up. Now, tying that into supply chain issues and the discussion that we had earlier, if you ask a potential car buyer today when they expect to receive their electric vehicle, they're going to tell you that they're on a waiting list and it's going to take several months to get that electric vehicle uh, on the road. So this pinup demand for EVs is running into some of the supply chain constraints that we're seeing. Interesting. Really interesting. All right. Now, John, you spoke a little bit about the market for labor. Can you tell me, do you think labor shortages are going to start easing? Not in the near future. And the main reason I think that is because a lot of companies have been having such a difficult time hiring and training employees that even with the pending recession possibly coming in 2023, the second half, that many companies are starting to look at how they can retain their employees and not lay them off when the economy goes south. So it's going to be, I think, harder for companies to let people go in 2023, and those shortages are going to continue. Uh, obviously, there will be some job shedding. We know that when we fall in recession, history has shown that our unemployment rate rises above 6%. The good news, though, is that the unemployment rate right now is at 3.7%, so the starting point is very low. We have a lot of Americans that are working and fully employed and obviously have a lot of job options uh, opening for them, but we're starting to see the economy slow. There will be some job shedding, but I think those companies that are looking forward know that recessions only last anywhere from 12 to 18 months. They want to be prepared when the economic activity upticks, and so to do that, they're going to have to retain good employees in order to make sure they're ready when the time comes. All right, so that retention seems like it's going to be important, which leads to potentially a battle for talent. Absolutely. Uh, Co-ops are are not immune from the broader trend towards a, a war for talent among pretty much all industries, right? Tight labor market is making demand for workers very competitive. Within the co-op space, co-ops are starting to hire new types of workers in order to fill roles that previously weren't in existence at co-ops. Thinking about IT positions, cybersecurity positions, positions that are more member-facing, Significant numbers of co-ops are deploying broadband and fiber to the home, so hiring workers that are trained in in those types of areas. They'll be competing against all types of businesses around the country. And of course, as uh, as remote work has caught on, co-ops have started experimenting with uh, with remote working, especially within the the IT sectors. And as I said, 
Co-ops are not immune from from the broader trend for for the war on talent. There's a, uh, a recent study done that showed that for solar companies as well, about 89% of solar companies are also having trouble filling talent. So it's not just co-ops; it's a it's an industry-wide challenge. Interesting. It's an interesting look at what's going on in the industry outside of just electric co-ops, but also how that that impacts them specifically. So. Let's move on to a topic that we we love talking about here at Solutions, interest rates. That always piques everyone's interest. Where do you think they're headed, John? Well, I said earlier that the Fed's not done in terms of raising the overnight rate. If you think about the Fed's overnight rate, it's like being on the first floor of an elevator. Once they raise the rate, then all other rates reset. It's got going to the second floor. And so when you talk about interest rates in general, you have to divide the yield curve up into short-term rates and long-term rates. So the Fed owns the short end of the curve. When they make a move, then everybody, including CFC, has to recalibrate to where they're going. Long-term rates not necessarily move one for one with short-term rates. They follow short-term rates in direction. There's a lag there. But there's not a one-for-one adjustment. So, for example, right now, a lot of economists think that term rates, meaning anything uh, five years and out, are really peaking now because the yield curve is inverted. If you compare the two-year yield to the 10-year yield, the inversion's around 75 basis points. So that's telling the markets that the Fed is getting close to being done. Now, looking at the short term, everybody's asking, well, how much further do they have to go? They've gone six times in 2022, uh, a 25 basis point hike, a 50 basis point hike, and then four 75 basis point hikes. So that's uh, the most aggressive Fed tightening we've had since 1994. And so the next move will be to slow that tightening down. We expect the Fed to go 50 basis points in December and another 50 in January and then go down to 25 basis points. So they could add another 125 basis points before the first half of next year. Obviously, that have a negative impact on uh, consumers and businesses. But the peak rate right now is looking around 5%. That'll probably stay there for roughly a year. That's a key question, too, because if the Fed goes too hard, that'll cause, that'll raise the probability of the economy falling back into recession. So 5% looks to be the peak right now. It could go slightly higher. But term rates, I don't think, are going to move nearly as much. They, they may be peaking now, and eventually the Fed will pivot and start bringing down the rate in order to stimulate economic growth. And now you've mentioned recession, and there has been a lot of talk of the, the yield curve inversion. What's your outlook on that? Well, the probability of the U.S. falling in recession is around 62%. We're expected to have rolling recessions next year. So it will first start with the U.K., which is technically in a recession now. Then it will spread to the European area. They'll move to the world and emerging markets. And then last but not least, uh, Canada, the United States, and Mexico will be impacted. So we're looking for the U.S. to be in recession if it does happen with a 60% probability the second half of 2023. All right. And now, Jan, what should co-op execs be looking at for planning either for capital infrastructure or renewables, when you look at rising interest rates, potential recession? Well, it's interesting. There's there's definitely some push and pull uh, going on here. And just adding on to, to John's points on the, on the housing market, we're likely expecting to see pretty high borrowing costs for, for new mortgages, potential decline in house prices. 
that actually has a pretty negative effect on new on building new homes and new developments, which in a normal period uh, is not a good thing for co-ops, obviously. But if you look at it in today's world where you have big supply chain constraints, you have issues getting uh, electrical equipment like transformers, this could add a little bit of relief uh, to, to an area where you don't, ha- you don't have to interconnect new homes because they're, they're asking for service. Yes, I, I would uh, add on to that. Jan's spot on. If you look at the Case-Shiller uh, year-over-year movement right now, it's f- really declining rapidly. So when the 30-year mortgage went above 7%, that made a big dent in the housing market. The 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is the most popular mortgage product that uh, consumers use to finance their home. And so it's really uh, putting the brakes on the housing sector, and it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. I'd also add on, on higher interest rates, of course, that's going to increase borrowing costs for co-ops. And when it comes to new infrastructure projects, owning, operating new solar PV systems, for instance, all that's going to be more expensive for co-ops, and that's going to increase borrowing costs and increase total project costs for co-ops that are looking to, to build out their infrastructure. So do you think that means that more focus on capital infrastructure and less focus on maybe projects like renewables, potentially? I think it depends on on the co-op. Um, you know, we, we have that saying that when you've seen one co-op, you've seen one co-op. Well, it definitely applies in this situation as well. Some, some co-ops are in very fast-growing areas that need additional infrastructure pretty quickly. Some co-ops are in a, a growth phase and adding new uh, new generation in the form of renewables. So it really does depend on the type of co-op, the member demographics, and where they're located in the country. I think that's fair. Now, John, can we talk, because it seems like there's a lot of doom and gloom in the the economy. Uh, what's the biggest risk we're looking at for 2023? Well, I think we've already mentioned it. It's the probability that the United States economy, the largest economy in the world at roughly $24 trillion, will fall back into recession. We've had three, that would be the third recession since 2007. Obviously, it can be very painful in many Americans. What's worse than high inflation and low unemployment? It's high inflation and millions of Americans out of work. I think the thing everybody needs to realize is we're in a very precarious situation here. Generally, when the economy's slowing like it is now, and economists know that, and so does the federal government, Generally, the Fed is lowering rates, but they can't do that now because inflation is running too high. The headline CPI number is at 7.3%, and the Fed's threshold target of 2% has not changed since the very beginning. So they felt that inflation was going to be transitory. They've since moved off that because they were wrong. It's been very sticky on the downward trend. So right now, the combination of slow growth and high interest rates with high inflation is very toxic uh, environment to be in. And so it's going to be very, very challenging for the Fed to maneuver through this and pull off what we call a soft landing, raising rates just enough to slow the economy down so that we don't fit fall into recession. But I think, obviously, recession has to be considered the biggest risk right now, given the fact inflation has turned and is coming down. But it's going to take probably two more years before us to get down even close to the 2% threshold. And any bright spots in your opinion? Well, I think you can find them in the economy with the labor market being still strong. I mean, we haven't laid off a bunch of Americans. Uh, That will continue. That may make the Fed's job harder. 
Obviously, goods demand has kind of subsided. Now people are focused on services because we're out and about. Uh, now that the pandemic seems to be behind us to some degree, unless we have another variant. So, but that uh, companies will have to replenish their inventory. So manufacturing should not fall too far, even though it has weakened quite a bit. So there are some positives there. But I think overall, uh, we're most worried about uh, recession and the high unemployment that ensues with it. All right. Now, Jan, let's talk a little bit more positive. Can you give us a great opportunity that cooperatives might see in 2023? Absolutely. So all the federal dollars that are currently available for co-ops, there are billions and billions of dollars available for things like broadband, for electric vehicle charging infrastructure, for, for renewables, clean energy. And uh, this is made possible through the Infrastructure and Jobs Act and the Inflation Reduction Act that was, pa- that was passed earlier this year. So lots of opportunities there for co-ops to leverage federal dollars to do projects that they would like to do anyway. I think of particular importance is uh, a direct pay provision that was passed in the Inflation Reduction Act. Traditionally, co-ops could not take advantage of the tax credits to deploy renewable energy and battery storage. They had to go through a third party to do that. And today, co-ops are able to uh, get direct access to federal dollars to deploy solar projects, wind projects, battery storage projects. So this is a this is a real game changer for co-ops. And do we have a team here at CFC that could help any cooperative that has some questions about that? I think we might. <laughs> All right. Now, last question here. Can you provide any tips for electric cooperative executives as they navigate the planning for the new year? Yeah. So... We have a, a great report coming out in January uh, looking at industry and economic trends for co-ops in 2023. I think that's a great starting point. You know, what we like to say is, is that co-op executives should look at the big picture, what the major trends drivers are at the industry level, at the economic level, and then decide for themselves what works for their co-op, their, their members, and their uh, specific circumstances. Excellent. Well, I think we've been through this before, and CFC has relied less and less on the capital markets, and we've developed other funding sources. We know that capital may be hard to access, liquidity may be an issue, uh, credit issues may arise, but obviously we have the programs in place that I think will definitely be able to meet all funding needs uh, as we move in 2023 for our, our membership. Well, thank you both for your time and expertise. I know, as Jan, you've mentioned, we have so many electric cooperatives of different sizes, demographics, um, and I think it, it helps to have the trends put into perspective based on what they might be looking at this year. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Solutions Cast. Be sure to subscribe to get the next episode and check nrucfc.coop solutions for more electric cooperative news.